0: This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank.
1: Hello, this is Alan Hockey, CFO of Service Master, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast.
0: This is Episode 275. As a finance leader, are you, driving, you change driving change in your, your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak with Sauer Bonstein, CFO of Advaxis, a New Jersey-based biotech firm developing immunotherapy cancer treatments.
1: What separates um, our industry different from other industries are then the FDA um, requirements that our industry has. It is a highly regulated industry for a lot of good reasons, right? Um, we want to make sure that whatever gets out to patients is going to work the best and is safe for those patients. But I feel as if um, the healthcare industry, you operate at, at a different pace than other industries because of what's on the line. There's. I, I uh, thank all other industries, and we need all the industries to kind of make the world go round, right? But the healthcare industry um, is really putting health on the line and is putting, will, you be, will that mom with cervical cancer be able to be there to see her daughter get married, or is she going to have to, or is that kid going to have to deal with losing her mom when she's a teenager? And, and that, that's a lot different, um, and I don't know what could be more motivational than that, to be honest with
0: you. Listen to our complete interview with Sarah after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intac provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making. When scale is top of mind. By automating error prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intact provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking with Sarah Bonstein, CFO of Advaxis, a New Jersey-based biotech firm developing immunotherapy cancer treatments. Sarah, welcome.
1: Thanks so much, Jack.
0: Now, I should mention, Sarah was recently named a Healthcare CFO of the Year by New Jersey's leading business journal. Her finance roots run deep and across the state's pharma healthcare corridor, having gained experience in different finance positions with such healthcare companies as Eli Lilly, ImClone Systems, and Johnson & Johnson. So, reflecting back, this seems to be rather fertile ground for us to ask our traditional opener, which is to ask you to highlight some of the periods in your career that you feel prepared you for a CFO role. What would those have been?
1: Mm -hmm. Great. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate the question. Um, I think the first major career milestone was the decision to move into the healthcare industry as I started my career and was, you know, migrating what industry? Is it banking? Is it healthcare? Is it, you know, some sort of consumer product? Where where do I want to focus my, my energies? And choosing healthcare, I I know was the right decision for me, it's what motivates me to kind of get up out of bed every night, every morning and really be able to influence uh, cancer patients. Moving into J&J, as uh, as I started my career, it was an amazing organization, was able to leverage uh, the learnings and the strengths that such a, a found foundational organization has. Went through various um, operational functions there, moved on to ImClone, really led the um, the organization from a financial planning and analysis function around being that voice of reason, voice of business for the product teams and helping them make make some of the, the tough decisions around development and how the, there's a financial impact of all of those things. Um, was then there through the acquisition of ImClone from Eli Lilly, it was, uh, it was a great opportunity for an immediate to be at sort of that side of the table and I, I think I was able to, to learn a lot through that experience and then be able to continue uh, that, that learning experience with Eli Lilly, um, being able to understand their, their organization and um, having the oppor- opportunity to do a developmental role there with Six Sigma.
0: So then when you do arrive inside the CFO office at Advaxis, what is the type of job you want to create for yourself?
1: Yes, yes. So I stepped into, I left a company with tens of thousands of people, and I joined a company of about 15 people. Um, so uh, functions and process and items, I will say, you typically take for granted in kind of your day-to-day job. Um, you couldn't take for granted, take for granted for anymore. Um, So it was, it was uh, wonderful to have that foundational experience of really kind of how a company works and be able to assess what we had, what we didn't have, understand our current capabilities or for our current capacities, really understand what the business needed um, today and what the business was going to need that they didn't even know about what their future needs are and build an organization, a finance organization, a G&A organization, as well as a development organization around that.
0: You, you mentioned meeting the CEO of the company. And how was that connection made? Do you recall?
1: Uh yes. Yeah, so when I was at ImClone, I was in financial planning and analysis, so I supported every area of the business. And uh, our current CEO, Dan O'Connor, was general counsel at the time at ImClone, So we would obviously interact and um, talk about his uh, his budget that you know you never want DNA budgets to be too big. So we would always talk um talk through budgets. and so we made that connection and Gosh, I hadn't spoken with him in probably around five years um, when we reconnected three years ago, um, but we had a really great working relationship then and was able to continue to build upon it.
0: So we imagine your original team at Avaxis was really quite uh, small relative to the uh, finance functions you had been part of. What what were your priorities as far as uh, building the team out?
1: So, yes, when I joined, I had a very small team a whopping two people um and so obviously we wanted to, I wanted to assess what made sense to bring in house versus what makes sense what made sense to keep externally uh keeping those fixed costs down, but making sure you're covered from a from a, a compliance controls, um, the SOX requirements and the like. So really built out a lean organization internally, um, expanded the role into all the GNA functions, the so human resources, IT facilities, um, legal, administrative, as well as all the finance, accounting and treasury work, and really got experts in that space and um, really have a great team that I know I can rely on, the organization can rely on as the foundation for the development work. So, tell
0: us a little bit about uh, what Evaxis is up to here. What's what's distinctive about it, and what's the the competitive marketplace like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Evax is where a NASDAQ listed company we got uplisted in a little over three years ago. And um, it's really exciting. We have a live attenuated bacteria. So essentially take all the bad stuff out of the Listeria. It's a bacterial vector system um, that stimulates your immune system to view the tumor cells as a bacteria infected cell and then subsequently target them for elimination. So as we all know, Our bodies view cancer as self, so it doesn't allow your own amazing immune system to fight against it. So what our technology does is it, it kind of tricks your immune system to say, hey, that's a bacteria. It's not cancer. Let's target that. We have an extremely versatile platform, um, from University of Pennsylvania, high, uh, you know, IP position can be used across, um, many different cancer types. Today we are targeting, uh, three, we have three different Uh, products in human development one that's targeting HPV related cancers which is cervical cancer it's our farthest along lead product candidate in phase 3 development which is the final phase in, in clinical drug development as well as anal cancer and head and neck cancer, we have a product candidate in that's targeting prostate cancer, and we have that product candidate in combination with one of Merck's um, PD-1 products, Keytruda, um, in combination there. And then our third product candidate is target targeting HER2 expressing cancers. So folks typically think of breast, gastric, esophageal, and we'll be focusing on um, osteosarcoma as well in that in that tumor in that indication. The uh, Preclinical items that we have are, are just as exciting. We have a neoepitope program that we have in collaboration with Amgen. We, we license that product to Amgen and are working step by step with Amgen to develop that program.
0: So, realizing many of the company's offerings are in formative stages, what are the metrics that you pay close attention to?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have, we set ourselves, we set milestones for ourselves every year. We obviously communicate those externally um, and we, we weekly, we will sit and review them. We'll have internal, you know, sub-milestones to get to those external milestones, working directly with our internal team, with our external team, with our uh, CRO or clinical research organization, our investigators. So really having those milestones and having strategic laser laser focused goals on on what we need to do to get this medicine out to patients
0: so at the end of a busy day and i'm sure they're all busy and you're headed out on the elevator and you happen to catch up or bump into your your ceo on the way down what is it that he's going to ask you
1: Uh, Well, he will probably ask me what our cash balance is, um, because that's always uh, cash is king in the biotech world, right? Um,
0: So cash is is certainly something um, many finance leaders can relate to, but what is it when you meet your finance leader peers, say from other industries, that you sense sets your world apart?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, assuming the peers are a publicly traded company and have the same, you know, SEC and it's, if it's NASDAQ or NICE or whatever the exchanges requirements, that's, that's the consistent, right? Depending on your market cap, what the requirements are, those, those are the, those are the consistent items. But what separates, um, our industry different from other industries are then the FDA, um, requirements that our industry has, um, It is a highly regulated industry for a lot of good reasons, right? Um, We want to make sure that whatever gets out to patients is going to work the best and is safe for those patients. Um, But I feel as if um, the healthcare industry, you operate at at a different pace than other industries because of what's on the line. Um, There's... I, I uh, thank all other industries and we need all the industries to kind of make the world go round, right? But the healthcare industry um, is really putting health on the line and is putting will you be, will that mom with cervical cancer be able to be there to see her daughter get married or is she going to have to, or is that kid going to have to deal with losing her mom when she's a teenager? And, and that, that's a lot different um, and I don't know what could be more motivational than that to be honest with you. Well, that's
0: a great example. We would agree. Pharma is such an extraordinary space in many ways. We, we like to always ask for an aha moment that you've experienced along the way in your career. And that's a moment of strategic insight that you were afforded due to being part of a finance team. What would What would you share with us?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um so I've had a lot of great mentors throughout the way and have had uh the um, opportunity to have amazing experiences which have all led me to um, to my current to my current position I think my, my last role that I had when I was with Eli Lilly was as I mentioned earlier uh, kind of a, a, a branch out or developmental uh, role which was uh, fixing the black belt and champion and I think that role really positioned me for the role I'm in today in that role I was not the subject matter expert. I was leading without authority. I was running projects across all functional areas: commercial, manufacturing, research. Um, sitting across the table from uh, from peers and colleagues that had very diverse backgrounds from mine, but was able to lead the group to an impactful outcome and I think working at a biotech company where, you know, it's it's a little bit of a cliche, you know, you wear a lot of hats but it's so, so true. You come in and you're, you think you know what you're going to do and you probably do everything other than that but you still, you know, made a difference. Um, being able to, ha- to be flexible, to being able to understand where you're the subject matter expert and where you're not the subject matter expert and where you need to challenge things and where you need to rely on other people. That's um, kind of a a skill that you can't learn unless you're, you're put in that exam, put in that position. And I think that's really helped uh, yield me to be successful in this role.
0: Uh, You know, what you just described, leading groups of people with diverse talents and different skill sets from yourself, very hard to do because, People generally might not have the confidence in you, uh, mm-hmm. knowing that you don't have a common experience. What, yeah. where did you find those leadership roles, and did you reach outside the organization? I'm wondering if you got, you know if there was certain training or, uh, certain mm-hmm. mentors that maybe helped mm-hmm. develop you in certain ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did go through a training, uh, it was a six week, a six week training. So I went through that prior to the role I was just, um, mentioning at, at Eli Lilly and had training at Johnson and Johnson and obviously my educational training. Um, and those were all very useful and I'm glad I had those, all those opportunities, but it, it to me, it's, it's that real-world experience. It's working with bosses that you love and that you learn from. It's working with peers that maybe you find some challenges with them, but but you learn from all of those experiences. When, when I was at Inclone, I had five different CEOs during my tenure at Inclone. And looking back, I... I I think, wow, that must have been a challenge, but at that point in my career, I think it was so helpful for me to learn from different leaders, learn about different leaders, and take kind of the things that worked, and probably even more importantly, the things that didn't work, and how I want to kind of do the opposite of that when when I'm in that position.
0: Um, Five years ago, if you told yourself you would be in this role today, would that be a surprise to you? And I'm thinking large, small. Maybe you had always imagined you'd continue inside large organizations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um when I went to ImClone, I thought that was small because it was compared to Johnson and Johnson. Um, but I had always had a career goal and aspiration to be a, a CFO of a of a pharma company one day. I feel grateful and fortunate that I've been able to experience that at, at this stage of my career, and I hope to to continue to be able to to provide that um, those that influence leadership and change in in my career to come. So it had always been a career aspiration of mine and. Uh, hope to you know continue continue forward with it.
0: Okay, let's segue to our mentoring round, where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to uh, inspire and inform uh, future finance leaders. Um, what's exciting you about business and finance today? <sighs>
1: I would say I think our, our, the healthcare industry is kind of at a inflection point and it's going to change. And so I think seeing how that's going to change and how it's going to potentially affect um, patients, companies, it, it's, it's going to be an exciting, exciting couple of years.
0: What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career?
1: Never assume, always keep asking questions and um, continue to challenge things.
0: Is there a personal habit you have that you believe has contributed to your professional success?
1: I think hard work, dedication, um, eye on ultimately what your company's trying to, to do. You
0: know what? I'm, I'm going to add one more industry-specific question because you have this firsthand unique insight. Um, what is it that's often misunderstood about? biotech
1: yeah I guess I guess a couple things maybe Um, just the time and cost to truly develop a product you know there's as you said biotechs um are uh, potentially the future of of where innovative medicine is going to be found Um, but I will say many biotechs fail in phase one and that has nothing to do with the um, business aspect of the company. It has to do with just the nature of drug development and the amount of kind of shots on goal you need to have before it actually makes it in. And so um, I think it's maybe a little uh, misunderstood on the time and very large cost it takes to make a product and get it across the finish line and being successful in this very regula- regulated market um, and that what pharma companies in the healthcare industry is, is trying to do is be able to... Um, impactful medicines out while still be able to kind of fuel the research and development arm of the organization to continue always having that continuous improvement in those next-generation products that are going to help patients continue to live longer, healthier lives.
0: Finance thought leaders don't go anywhere. We're about to ask our finance leader guest for their business priorities over the next 12 months. But first, permit us 30 seconds to thank our sponsor. You want smart? of year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months?
1: Yep. Um, I think for a biotech CFO, the um, number one priority is obviously making sure that balance sheet is rich and that um, you can uh, fund the, the business and we we've, we've, we've been able to do that, um, and we've been able to secure um, secure funding in, in the capital marketplace to allow the development. So that's obviously number one position, um, the number one focus that, that we always have, have on, and then making sure that we have the right organizational structure to move the product forward, if it's in the GNA world or if it's in you know the, the broader area of the business, but making sure that we have the right people to, to, to do the job.
0: Okay. Sarah Bonstein, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader.
1: Thanks so much, Jack. Have a great day.
0: Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever so short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOthoughtleader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again, CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching. And we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply.